It's a Tuesday edition of Locked On Warriors. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News. Make sure to follow Locked On Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get podcasts for episodes every day, Monday through Friday. Uh, we are continuing along with our exit interview series, and today I'll be discussing Jordan Poole's season and his role going forward. And I'll be bringing in Connor Letourneau from the San Francisco Chronicle to help me do it because there is so much to get into and pool figures to be a big part of this team's plans. But today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. And only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Connor, buddy, thanks for joining me today on a special edition of La Tuesdays. I wanted to bring you to discuss Jordan Poole because he's been a subject of our conversations for a couple of years now. And I know that you and I have been covering him and have just been so impressed with his development. But before we get into all of that, can we first acknowledge that I was right to not give up on Jordan Poole and that anyone on the Poole bandwagon has to deal with me driving right now? Yes, yes. I give you a lot of credit. Uh, you have been... On the pool bandwagon from the very beginning, and you stayed on it when everyone else jumped off last season. And uh, when everyone jumped back on, you're you're waiting around for everyone to to find their seat. Um, so I give you a lot of credit for that. I was definitely one of the people that was not high on him. Uh, I actually was. I don't. I never fully got on the pool bandwagon until now. I'm just starting to get on the pool bandwagon, but I didn't even get on it until probably the last two weeks of the season. Um, everyone else was getting on it, you know, right when he came back from the G League bubble. Um, and I was still skeptical about him, but I'm starting to see what you were talking about. And, uh, you know, I give you credit, man. I have told you before, you should be a scout. You see things that other people don't see. Uh, I appreciate you giving me the praise when I basically put it up, uh, on a, on the, on the tee for you to knock it out. So, um, look, Jordan Poole, he's interesting for the same thing that you're saying. Like he is weirdly a polarizing player and it's because that his rookie season he was just so awful and in the sophomore year you know the it didn't start well right and you had all these reports from people like you and me saying he's been in the gym more than anybody else uh he's been working hard the Warriors been super impressed with him and all that stuff was true and accurate but then he got back on the court and he just sort of looked basically like he did it as a rookie right to start the, the his second year and then goes to the G League bubble, comes back, a changed human, and uh, went on this stretch where uh, he averaged nearly 15 points per game, emerged out, uh, from out of the rotation and into basically their sixth or seventh man, and really carved out a role for himself, not just this season, but a spot probably in their future plans. I want to just go through the, uh, the stats really quick, his shooting stats. Rookie year, 8.8 points per game. That goes to 12 points per game. His second season, like I said, 14.7 points per game after the G League bubble stint. Rookie year, shot 33% overall, 43% this last season. So better, uh, 10% better. 28% from three-point range, up to 35% from three-point range this last season. I mean, you just go down the line and the improvement is huge. And I think that's going to be more of the same for him going forward. Uh, where... What stood out to you when it comes to Jordan Poole before the G League bubble and then after the G League bubble? Um, honestly, it was just confidence. 
a lot of it was just a swag factor. Like he, he knew what he was doing. He wasn't afraid to take the big shot, even though his pedigree made it, made it sound like he wasn't ready for that moment. He didn't care. And he still leaned into that moment and he missed some of those shots, but uh, he also made a good number of them. And the thing that I was most impressed by with him was, um, was he played big in the biggest games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, toward the end of the season when they were vying for that eight spot in the West, he, he really came through in the clutch on more than one occasion. Um, and then he was really big in that elimination game against the Grizzlies had 19 points on efficient shooting, uh, off the bench, um, hit, hit a really critical shot down the stretch to give him a chance in the waning seconds there. Um, and so you, I think you learn a lot of guys by how they play in those big moments and he did not shy away. In fact, he, he played better. And the thing I've always said about pool, even when he was struggling was that he has this wiggle to his game. He has this like X factor to his game that not a lot of guys have, which is why I've always felt like his, his ceiling is much higher than a lot of people who are putting up his numbers at his age. Like, I think, I think he could be an elite borderline elite player in this league just because he has that single quality. Um, But he had so many things to work on um, and it felt like he was, things were really starting to come together for him after that bubble. As we've talked about before, he just had so many wasted movements and things like that. And he's gotten more efficient. He's, he's listening to the coaching. He's figuring out how to play in the system, but I think more than anything, he's just hyper aggressive and he's confident. And uh, that's important. I remember talking talking to him last year. I remember talking to him last year in Los Angeles uh, for a story I was doing on him. And I asked him, who were the guys that you looked at growing up? The guys that whose games you want to emulate. And the first player he said was CJ McCollum. And you can kind of see him trying to do a CJ McCollum impression in his rookie year. Like you're talking about all that wasted movement. What makes CJ McCollum so effective is that same type of wiggle that you're talking about. Right. But CJ's earned that freedom on the court where he can dribble seven, eight times, find his spot on the court and then go get to his spot and then shoot. Jordan Poole as a rookie didn't earn that. And he was trying to do a bad CJ McCollum impression early on. And it was just like you said, a lot of wasted movement, a lot of what are you doing? A lot of freelancing where the Warriors need him to play a role and they're only going to need him to play that role for a long time, right? You've got Steph Curry, Clay Thompson's coming back. Draymond Green's running offense for you. Andrew Wiggins is their second leading scorer, not Jordan Poole. And so you just need him to make quicker decisions. And that was a stress that they had for him in that G League bubble is, hey, less than one second. You need to make every decision in less than one second. Decide to shoot or pass and then keep going. And then within that structure, you're able to freelance and get a little bit more creative, right? Like if you, if you hit a couple shots, you've earned a heat check in the middle of a game, right? You've earned the right to freelance a little bit in the end of a shot clock. And that's what you figure it out. But that can't just be every single time down, which it kind of felt like it was for him. Uh, early on in his career. So he comes back from the G League bubble. He starts making better decisions, taking what the defense gives him and fitting within the scheme of the offense. And all of a sudden, things start coming to him. The the scoring numbers blossom. Everything is working. Um, I've got a stat for you, Connor. Um, what he does off the bench for them. He, since March 4th, basically that first game since the G League bubble, eighth in bench points per game since March 4th, eighth in the league in bench points per game since coming back from the bubble. Him and Tyler Hero are the only players in the top 10 of that list during that span that are younger than 27 years old. 
So everybody else is like the Jordan Clarkson types, all those kinds of guys, the veterans, Goran Dragic, those kinds of guys. Only him and Tyler Hero, both of them are 21 years old. The only guys younger than 27 to be in the top 10 in bench points per game for basically the second half of the season. That to me speaks volumes and it kind of speaks to exactly what it is that Jordan Poole did and perhaps even his ceiling in the league if he's in that kind of company. Yeah, I mean, he's only 21 years old. Right. And I think it's so easy sometimes when we're evaluating guys and, and judging them to forget how young some of these guys are. He is 21 years old. And, uh, you know, he, I'm still not convinced that he's going to be this foundational piece to the franchise, but I think he has a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, I said earlier, I think he could be a borderline elite player in this league. I do. I also think he could be like an Alec Burks type mm. uh, in this league where he's like good for some points off the bench, but he's not like someone you're going to pay a ton of money to. Um, he's not someone who's irreplaceable by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so the the jury's out on that, but the the progress we saw in a short amount of time was huge. And he he's to me the ultimate case of study of why we have the G League. Um, you know, he he started to turn things around his rookie season when he went down to the G League for a few games. And then he benefited so much from going to a bubble environment near Orlando for a month plus where he could just focus on basketball and be a go-to guy and and have a playmaking role and run a team and hit the big shots. He hit some big shots to win some games for Santa Cruz down in the bubble. And even though it's a lower level of competition, experience is experience. And I think that was so beneficial for him coming back to the G League and coming back to the Warriors. And the Warriors epically need this type of guy. They needed it before him. They need him to continue down this path because they've desperately needed like a six-man Jamal Crawford-type guy who can come in off the bench and play that Lou Williams-type role. And, uh, you know, Steve Kerr went as far to say at the, toward the end of the season this season that he sees Poole as that six-man guy, which I'm not sure I agree with him yet. But the fact that Steve would go on the record saying that publicly says a lot. <clears throat> And to your point, as good and as impressive as that second season was for Jordan Poole, uh, obviously there's still areas of opportunity, places that he needs to grow. That's what we're going to talk about next uh, here on Locked on Warriors. Let's talk about Credit Karma. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash 
win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVP Bank, Inc. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Support for today's show also comes from Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of vehicle makes and models, it can be impossible to stock all of the parts you need for your car at a traditional store. So do it easily online instead at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all of the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Then write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right, Connor. So you hit on something that I want to talk about. Can Jordan Poole be the sixth man of the future? But I want to put a pin in that. Uh, for the moment, because before we do that, this is an opportunity for us to talk about, I think, where Jordan Poole still needs to grow and some of the weaknesses that are still part of his game. Now, during these exit interviews, I'm pretty, I've, I've pretty much kept to the format of what went right, what went wrong, and then their biggest offseason question. It's hard to identify something that went wrong for Jordan Poole this year because everything that he did kind of felt like icing on the cake, right? He, he emerges a guy that they didn't expect to have in the first place. But if something, if I could pinpoint one thing that did go wrong, it was sort of just out of his control. And it, it feels like there's still some confusion about how the Warriors can best use him. Over the final part of the season, they finally started to play him in more of a playmaking role instead of saddling him with a guy like Nico Mannion or Kelly Oubre or something like that. Do you think that he's better in that type of space? Or do you, would you rather see him next to you know, Nico Mannion is limited as a two-way player, uh, two-way contract player, but would you rather see him playing off of maybe a more traditional point guard? I, I think it totally depends on the Warriors' personnel, but I think the Warriors should feel comfortable, honestly, with going, in, going into the next season with him as their unofficial backup point guard. Um, you know, I think they're probably going to look at adding more of a playmaking point guard. That was something Bob Myers touched upon recently in his media availability with us. Um, but I think that they should feel comfortable with him initiating the offense because they also have Draymond, they have Juan Descano Anderson. They have guys who are great at reading defenses and, and finding open shooters. And he doesn't, that doesn't all have to fall on him. It's just a matter of who initiates the offense. The Warriors offense is different than other offenses in that, it, you know, the point guard isn't necessarily the one making the plays or, right. or reading defenses and, and breaking guys down like that. So um, I think, I think he's good with the ball in his hands. I think he can do either. And I think that's, I think that's part of what makes him special, but it didn't really work as well with Nico Mannion, just because I don't think Nico Mannion's ready to be a right. true NBA player. Um, well, and I agree my with, the- thing with my thing with Jordan is more is, is not so much his role, but whatever his role is, he needs to be more efficient. Yeah. He's not very consistent yet. 
I mean, you 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 see the flashes, but there was even after he emerged, right when he came back from the bubble, there was like a, a stretch there of over a month where he was like a total non-factor. Like mm-hmm. it was like, what happened to this guy? I thought he was like going to be the next thing, and then he right when we were forgetting about him again, he reemerged. It's like, oh yeah, he's great. Oh yeah, I remember now. Um, but that that needs to not be a thing. Like he needs to be consistently good. Um, and you look at his final shooting percentages; they weren't that great. For a right. scorer, for a guy who is a scorer and a shooter in this league, he, they weren't very good. So I mean, by themselves, 43% overall, 35% from three-point range. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, it's okay. It's a, 10, it's a 10% improvement overall from his rookie year, but his rookie year was historically awful. So I don't well, know if that's year, more... His numbers, his rookie year were awful because of the first half of his rookie year. After he came back from the G League, they, right. weren't, they actually weren't that bad. Um, uh, but to your he point, was literally the worst shooter in the NBA for the first half of his rookie year. To your point with the consistency, um, I pulled this number up because I agree with you and I wanted to look at, I wanted to get something to support this argument. And he had nearly as many games that he shot better than 45%, 20, 20 games that he shot better than 45% than he did under 40%, 21 games. I mean, that's a pretty wild fluctuation. I mean, he had games where he was shooting 60%, 66% overall. And the other games where he's just like, he's one for 14 or something like that. And look, that's going to happen to almost everybody. Even Steph has an efficient shooting nights, but it's, it's basically a, it's a coin flip with Jordan Poole When you go into a game, is he going to shoot the lights out or is he going to be basically unable to make a shot? And the thing with Jordan Poole is, and this is very unlike when you talk about six men role and stuff like that, what Andre Godal and Sean Livingston were able to bring to the table was so much more than scoring. And of course you had nights where Livingston was making like two or three of his little mid range pull-up shots and he had nights where Iguodala was draining threes from the corner or whatever. But you really, if, even if they weren't scoring, you knew they were going to give you stuff defensively from a leadership perspective, from a playmaking and a rebounding perspective. And that's not really anything Jordan Poole can do, right? If it's right. not for scoring and maybe a little bit of playmaking, he can't really be on the floor. I think he tries hard defensively. He's in the right spots most of the time, but he's small and he's little. And so he's, there's right. a limitation to what he could do defensively rebounding same thing so if he's not scoring at a high rate you can't really do much for you and it's not necessarily right. his fault there's this is, he's a limited player just because of his build and, and the position that he plays exactly i mean the whole idea of a six man we've talked about this before it's very hard to quantify i mean is it mm-hmm. the first guy for bench is it just the guy who scores the most off the bench um i mean all other things being equal, would you rather have Juan Descano Anderson on your team or Jordan Poole? I would much rather have Juan Descano Anderson because he does so many more things to help you win games. You know, even when Juan's not scoring a lot, he's helping you win games. Whereas I feel like Jordan, when he, when the when the ball's not falling, when when he's not scoring, he uh, he's not helping you win. He's and he's, he's not and, and he's not player. a great floor spacer either. To your point, like that thirty five percent. He's got like this weird reputation as being a shooter, but opponents don't necessarily, they don't respect him the way that they respect like a Wayne Ellington even. Right. And I'm not even, yeah. you could bring up Steph and Clay's names. That's pointless. But uh, you know, until he starts to hit that shot consistently, it's not even just having him on the floor is going to create all this space either. Right. It's him versus any other guard basically creates the same amount of space. Um, the one other thing like to me, he's like in, in his best version of himself, he's like a poor man's, Deer and Fox. Mm. I, I actually like the Jordan man. Clarkson. I like poor the Jordan man. Clarkson comparison. I like because well, I think he's got because you know, Jordan Clarkson is a 
poor man's Darren Fox. So you're saying like Darren a Fox really, has really no outside poor... shot. Darren Fox has no outside shot. Jordan Poole's at least better than Darren Fox. Yeah, he's not even nearly talking... as fast as Fox. Right, but he is fast. Yeah. Um, no, I think the guy. I think the other guy too that I compare him to is Tyler Hero, the other guy that's 21 and yeah, from Wisconsin, and and in that that list that I was talking about. I mean, there is a certain swagger that both him and Hero have. There's a certain carelessness in a good way of I'm going to take this shot and I don't care what part of the game it's in. And you need guys like that. You absolutely need guys like that. And I know that Warriors fans can get frustrated with him. It's like, why are you shooting when you have Steph and Clay on the team? Ask guys like Steph and Clay. They want to play with guys like Jordan Poole, guys who are unafraid of any moment. Every player would tell you that in the NBA. Um, there, and, and look, <laughs> I know this is the part of the show where we talk about what's wrong with his game and areas of opportunity, but I also don't want it to sound like we're harping on them too much because the fact that he was even anything for them this year was a surprise. And just the fact, and at all, I mean, you've written about this and talked about this, Connor. The, the idea of getting anybody at number twenty-eight in the draft, everybody's, oh, you blew a first-round pick. No, twenty-eight is a historically bad place to get a player. It's harder to get good round. players at twenty-eight than it is early in the second round. Exactly. So the fact that they're getting anything from this player. If Jordan Poole becomes a sixth man, this is all the stuff that you're talking about, you and I are talking about, this is what he's going to have to do. But even if he just ends up being your ninth or tenth man, that's that's pretty good at the end of the first yeah. round. Yeah, I mean, you got to keep the context. You know, this yeah. this is a guy who was drafted one year after the Warriors took Jacob Evans with the exact same spot, and we already know he's a lot better than Jacob Evans, who, by the way, played with him in Santa Cruz, and uh, he's not even a good G League player. Um, you and I, and so, you and I watched those games. Remember, uh, twenty whatever two years ago when when Jordan Poole went down to the G League in Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. You and I went and covered a game. I'm trying to remember. It was Smiley Geach, Jordan Poole, Jacob Evans. Was there anybody else? Juan Descano Anderson. Juan, yeah, well, he wasn't on the roster yet, but good point. Um, Juan Descano Anderson, and I remember like guys like D'Angelo Russell and Damian Lee were sitting courtside, and it was yeah. sort of a big to do. Um, but we watched them, and we watched Jacob Evans fade. And he wasn't even in the game at the end of the fourth quarter, right? Like he wasn't even. He was crunch time, and he literally wasn't playing in crunch time in a Julie game. And I asked uh, someone on the coaching staff after, uh, "Why did he not play?" And he basically just said, "He's not good enough." Yeah, Juan Descano Anderson was playing. Jordan Poole was playing. I think even Alan Smiley. At the end of the day, we want to win games. It's the G League, but we still want to win games. That's right. uh, (laughs) Um, All right. So I think that's basically it for Jordan Poole. One other thing I wanted to point out is, is something I would like to see him do a little bit more, uh, maybe even starting next year. All the defensive limitations he has, the one thing that you can do to make up for that is get steals and get deflections. And Jordan Poole doesn't really do any of that. Now, he doesn't have the longest wingspan or anything like that, but he was averaging bit less than one steal per 36 minutes, 0.9 steals per 36 minutes. He averaged one steal for 36 minutes as a rookie. That's not nothing, but if he's going to be playing heavy minutes, you'd like, you'd like for that to, to get a little bit higher. That's per 36 minutes. I mean, his regular per game at a little bit less than 20 minutes per game was half a steal per game. Like you would like to see that per 36 minutes average be closer to his per game average, right? Like at, in 20 minutes a night, you should be averaging closer to one steal a game than half of a steal a game. That would be one area where Jordan Poole can make up that lack of size and physicality on defense is just going and getting the ball and stopping possessions that way, right? I think that's an right. obvious area for opportunity. One one way 
I'm just thinking about this right now, but we're going to know whether or not this was a successful offseason before the season opener based off what Jordan Poole's role is. Mm -hmm. Like, if we go into next season thinking Jordan Poole is the unquestioned sixth man of this team, that's not good. That's not good. That was an unsuccessful offseason. I want you to put a pin in that because that's that's the whole topic of our, our final. Segment. I apologize. No, no, no. You're, you're, you're this, that's what we call a tease here in the radio industry, Connor. Uh, that's what we'll talk about next after this break. Support for today's episode comes from bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA playoffs are on. And even though the Warriors aren't a part of it, you can be take a look at the spreads, the money lines, the over-unders and more at betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Connor, I cut you off there, but we were talking about whether or not Jordan Poole could be the sixth man for this team, whether or not he should be the sixth man for this team. Um, I, I think you, you were hitting on something, uh, I think, very astute, where we'll know whether or not the Warriors had a good offseason before we even get to the season opener based on what Jordan Poole's role is going to be. If you are relying on him solely to be your sixth man and basically to lead your bench unit, I think you're going to have problems. It's not to say that he can't do it on certain nights, but he most certainly won't be able to do it on every night. I think that is a fair expectation. Because consistency comes with experience. And he's still very unproven. He's got a lot of intangibles a lot of raw talent but he's going to be in and out and I think you want to go into the next season feeling like a Jordan Poole big night is icing on the cake it's not key to you winning games you know I think I think you you want him to be like a, a little complimentary piece that you can throw in there to uh to get to jolt the offense and get the second unit going you don't want to need him to average 15 points per game next season. I think hopefully he's averaging around what he averaged this season, next season, maybe even a little less uh, because you just don't need him to do more than that, but he's shooting more efficiently. That's what you want next season from him. The efficiency is definitely key. And, you know, when we talk about six men and things like that, I, 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 I fall into this as often as anybody else. And I hate that I do it, but you know, you compare what the Warriors are trying to build to what it is that they had. And with Andre Godal and Sean Livingston coming off the bench. Now, having players that good coming off the bench every single night, probably not going to happen for a lot of reasons. Most of them cap related. Steph Curry wasn't making a lot of money those first two years. Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, likewise. Both of those, all those guys are making a ton of money. Andrew Wiggins is on the books for $30 million. You've got your backup center next year, James Wiseman. Or I don't know if he's your backup center. He should be your backup center next year, making nearly $10 million. There's not a lot of money to go around. Uh, but if, for Jordan Poole, I think if you're trying to make that comparison to the past, he should be more in the Leandro Barbosa role yeah. 
and less in the Sean Livingston or Andre Iguodala role because of those things we we're talking about before. Barbosa was very much icing on the cake. If he can come off the bench for you, sometimes he's just going to play 10 minutes a night. Other nights, he's going to play 25 because the dude's just got it going. And I think that Poole will end up playing more minutes because, again, the Warriors won't ever be as deep as they were. More consistently, he'll play more minutes. But you've already got one guy, I think, in Juan Descano-Anderson who can kind of be an Andre Godala type of player in that he can just do multiple things, right? Yeah. And I think he's, he's going to be so one versatile. of those first guys off the bench. I think you need one more of those guys. One yeah. more of those guys who can do multiple things, run some offense for you, be versatile def- defensively in a way that Wanda Scott Anderson is and Jordan Poole is not. That's what you need. And if the Warriors can find that this summer, that's going to be huge. And all of a sudden they're going to have, and if that player can shoot and score a little bit, doesn't have to be a ton, but if you can do a little bit of it, then I think you really got something and you're going to ask Jordan Poole to do a lot less than maybe you would otherwise. I think they'd benefit from having someone like a PJ Tucker type. I know he didn't have a great season, but I think, you know, guys who are proven, who have a track record, who can do different things or is what they're looking for. And, uh, you know, you, you need someone in that six man type role who has a body of work in high level games. And, as we talked about earlier, Poole's only 21 years old. He's still figuring it out. Yes, he played well in some key games this season. I was very impressed with what he did in the elimination game against Memphis. But he's 21. He's going to be figuring it out still next season. And it's what hurts by not making the postseason. We should mention that, right? Is I know that the Warriors say, hey, the last week or so were the playoffs for us. We were in two play-in games. Those had a playoff feel. They had a playoff feel, but they weren't the playoffs. And I think anybody watching these playoffs right now, anybody that watched game seven between the Mavericks and the Clippers on Sunday, anybody that's watching these second round series that are starting, these games are of a different kind of intensity. These games are of a different kind of execution. Uh, And Jordan Poole has zero experience with that. And if you're asking him to be the guy who's going to run your second unit or be a sixth man and, and be basically the, the third most important score on the team or fourth most important score on the team, even next year, um, that's a, that's a, that's a lot. I'm not saying he can't do it, but he's not proven. And we don't know if he can. And I think had the Warriors gotten into the postseason, and we would have seen a little bit of that, even if it was four, five games against Utah or whatever, at least we would have seen something right. And you would have had a little bit more proof than what you're going off of right now. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the bench unit, uh, more broadly because Steve Kerr, I thought said something really interesting in his end of season press conference about, envisioning Jordan Poole coming off the bench alongside guys like Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins. And I think this is an interesting thing because Steve Kerr has always liked to pair off his stars, right? So obviously he's viewing Steph and Draymond as their minutes aligning and they come in and they come out at the same times. If, and then I suppose Wiggins and Clay Thompson, their minutes will align a little bit more and you'll, and you kind of platoon those guys in and out. If Jordan Poole is going to be part of that group and you've got now Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, I suppose Juan Descano Anderson coming off the bench and then maybe James Wiseman. I still think that's a, that's a really good second unit that can do some stuff. It's probably a little bit short on playmaking, maybe even a little bit short on shooting, depending on if Juan's three point shot holds and how Wiseman comes along. But um, that, that, what do you think about that, that grouping, that five man lineup? I think it's solid, but I think I think you need an, an another piece or two. You know, I think I think you need more experience. I think you need more 
even more versatility. I I really like Juan Descano Anderson. Um, we both really like Juan Descano Anderson, but there's a reason why they're asking him to do so much. Mm-hmm. It's because they don't have other guys who can do what he can do. They like you said earlier, they need another guy who can do what he can do, and ideally is more experienced than that, has more playoff experience. Yeah. And, you know, that's a nice lineup, but it's not going to be the forever lineup off, off the bench, right? Like Clay Thompson's going to need rest at some point. Andrew Wiggins will need rest at some point. And so you're, if that's all you got, you don't have very much. And you're kind of in the same spot as you were at the end of this year, where do you really want to just run out there with eight guys every single night and just hope for the best? No, you probably, you need, like you said, you probably need two or three other pieces who can play for you on an every night type of basis through the right, through the course of the regular season. So we'll see what happens, but, uh, Either way, Jordan Poole is going to be a big part of this team's future, it appears. Uh, I think he's earned that right. I think we're all very impressed with what he's done and what he can do. And uh, I'm still very much on the Jordan Jordan uh, Poole, not the Jordan Bell, the Jordan Poole bandwagon. So, uh, By the way, props to Bob Myers for locking him in for that third year before he did anything this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a lot of people wouldn't have done that. And uh, they had enough confidence and faith in him and what they had seen in the offseason from him to believe he was going to be a guy, even though he hadn't proven it yet. They locked him into that, that third year, at, I think like 1.7 mil or something, which ended, which is now a really good deal for a really helpful player um, at a time when other teams wouldn't have done that. So I think it was just a small example of why Bob Myers is a good GM. One last point too. I think what could really elevate that bench unit is if Jordan Poole and James Wiseman, assuming that Wiseman comes off the bench, uh, form some sort of partnership where they are just running up tempo, pick and roll, high pick and roll stuff, and that becomes basically the basis of that second unit offense when Steph and Draymond are on the bench. I think that could get them a long way. You look at like a partnership a couple of years ago. You know, Nick Young tweeted. You know, he, uh, you know, there's not a lot of guys like Jordan Clarkson. Lou Williams and Jordan Poole. He put Jordan Poole in the same conversation as a guy like Lou Williams. A couple of years ago, Lou Williams won six man of the year because of that partnership that he had in, in LA with Montrez Harrell, that, that high pick Isn't and roll like type of partnership. Of the year? Yeah. I think that Jordan Poole and James Wiseman have a lot of those similar qualities where they, like you said, they're both very fast. They like to run and gun. And if you could just put them in very simple, uh, high pick and roll type of situations and then have shooters around them taking advantage of that, that I think could elevate a lot of things for the Warriors going forward. And all of a sudden, not only do you have a, a defined role for Jordan Poole, but more importantly, a defined role for James Wiseman, which would be huge. And I think it'd be interesting. We're going from a point where, hey, Wiseman, you need to develop chemistry with Steph and Draymond and these guys. Maybe the guy he really needs to be developing chemistry with is Jordan Poole. But I, but I thought they were trading James Wiseman, Wes. I've done too many podcasts on that topic already. Uh, remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On Warriors wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and say nice things about the show. You can send your comments and questions to me on Twitter at WC Goldberg or email them to me at WGoldberg at BayAreaNewsGroup.com. You can reach Connor on Twitter at Con underscore Cron. Make sure to check out all of his work over at the San Francisco Chronicle, uh, his podcast, Warriors Off Court, as well. Uh, now get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining me, Connor. And thanks to all for listening.